random job. This has nothing to do with anything. Go for like it. know a guy that owns a factory, mm-hmm. and in America, you can stack beer six cases tall. Yeah. Or something like that. It's some number. Yeah, I watch all those YouTube videos where forklifts are knocking over shit, and it's really fun because they stack them too high. <laughs> but in Canada, their limit is five cases tall. Mm. So I know a guy that owns the factory where they take the pallets that are six cases tall, repackage them into five cases tall to send to Canada. Like that's his, that's, that's what he job. does. Yes. Isn't that funny? Everything's got to be something, you know what I mean? There's one guy or girl that spends their time putting this, you know, felt inside this thing, probably. Like, that's their job. They go home and they're like, how much did you do today? Oh, I did about 820 today. It's a pretty good job. Yeah, no, what you're talking about there is a 13-year-old in China. Yeah, is exactly. Who does that. Oh, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> Which is a really good segue into this movie. Like, I like oh, yeah, how there you go. futures always have the chinese or the asia winning out yeah everything has like a real uh japanese kind of feel to it you know like it takes over and i don't know maybe maybe the well anyway i don't know maybe really scott was a fan of japanese art or something you know where his production manager was i'm a really big fan of ridley scott like it's just crazy watching these movies it's it's nuts. All right. Should we get let's, started? Let's get into it. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Aaron and Justin Talk Sequels. I'm Justin. I am Aaron. And today we are covering the nine, or 2017 yep. classic Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> is it too uh, early to be a classic? It, it is too early. Yeah. Uh, which is a sequel to the 1982 film Blade Runner. That was the year we were born. It is. Isn't that crazy? And uh, what's even crazier is Ridley. This is Ridley Scott's third film. Yeah, The Duelist wasn't that the his Duelist. first one? And I, then I there was like a little tiny little production he put together. Might have been a TV movie. I don't know. I think it was a TV movie. Really forgotten. It's hard to find made. nowadays. <laughs> it's hard to find. It was called Alien. Yeah, Alien. That's right. Real generic. <laughs> Real generic name there. But I guess it got him. A little bit of a name so he could make this Blade Runner film. So that, yeah. that all worked out for him. Well, I mean... Because who was going to who was gonna direct a Unicorn Tom Cruise movie if he wasn't able to make Blade Runner and get big off that, right? <laughs> what? Legend. Oh, I, I've never seen it. I don't know if that's his follow-up, but I think it came out in 85. So if Blade Runner's 82, did he make something in 83 or 84 before he made Legend with Tom I mean, Cruise he's... about um, uh, unicorns? Okay, what is the plot of Legend? I don't even know. I, I, there's like one unicorn left, I believe, and they have to save it. And uh, Tom Cruise is like some sort of fairy or elf or something like that who has to go on, you know, an 80s, classic 80s fantasy journey kind of film. But uh, Tim Curry's in it, and he plays the devil. Oh, And he has very... an amazing makeup job for that you know those huge horns and everything so it's got a lot yeah. of good stuff to it but i don't think it was thought about very fondly nowadays someday i think i'll see it and yes he followed up blade runner with legend Isn't that funny yeah he got into the fantasy thing and then someone to watch over me which i've never seen 
Yep. Black rain. Mm. It's not purple rain. Black rain. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't it be great if Black Rain was a sequel to Purple wouldn't Rain? It? That would be. And then uh, Thelma and Louise. Yep. So, yeah, the guy knows how to regroup and make a hit after the failed Purple Rain sequel. Um, but I think he made two classic films early on, but they didn't really. Nobody really thought of them as classics until maybe the '90s. You know, yeah, like Alien was a pretty big hit. I don't know if Blade Runner was an immediate hit i think it's at least made its money yeah uh 30 million budget box office 41 million so he just squeaked by well that was probably us right um i'm guessing that's total like in the 80s i don't know if they had a huge worldwide stuff yeah i think that's total total okay so what's your memory of Blade Runner, man? Do you, when, when do you remember seeing this for the first time? I, I have no idea. I'm sure it was sometime as a teenager, you know, like when we were first getting into movies and our pretentious stage that we like to talk about, you know, when we had to watch all the all the movies cool. everybody was talking about. Yeah, yeah. So and this was definitely one of them. This was definitely a shoulder shrug for me growing up. Was it? I, I think there was just too much 80s synth music in the background to really appreciate it well when i Uh, watched it a couple days ago for the first time in a long time uh you you were asking me which one we should watch and i said well i probably just the theatrical version you know because i know this is one movie that has many versions and i gotta tell you like within like the first five minutes i was really like surprised that there was a voiceover (laughs) i was like what the fuck (laughs) and harrison ford sounded so uninterested in his voiceover too. I'd never heard it before. So I think I had never seen the original version of Blade Runner. I think I've always only ever seen the final cut version or the director's cut version or whatever version, you know, because I did not remember that there, there was a narration in it. And I still have, I own the final cut, but I've still never taken the time to check it out. I also seem to remember that I, or I'd always misremembered or maybe remembered because maybe I had seen those newer versions that him being a replicant was actually a, played a bigger role than it actually did in the movie. Like, so I think, again, I think I only saw those it, newer it, versions. That's something that we will definitely touch yeah. on in a second. Let's um, go through the plot of the movie real quick. Uh, it's actually a pretty simple plot. It uh, is. Harrison Ford is a cop. And uh, Deckard. 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 What Which was is his first name? Great, great movie name. Um, what is his first name? Come on, you were supposed to say it immediately because you knew it so well. I did, but now I'm blanking. What is it? Rick, Rick Decker. Oh, damn it, Rick, Rick Decker. Um, yep. he's a retired cop. His job used to be to hunt down uh, replicants or s- androids. What do you what do you call these? They're just straight robots. They're not robots. They're clones, right? No, they're just robots. No, they're not robots. They're clones. They're not clones. Yes, they are. They're, they're flesh and blood. Ish. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure they're more... I don't... You know, I don't know. It's so funny that I'm not sure about this. I'm pretty sure they're clones, and they call them replicants. Like, they're actually based on people. Actually, I'm wikipedia it. A replicant is a fictional bioengineered being in the 1982 film Blade Runner. Bio. The series is virtually identical to adult humans, but have superior strength, speed, agility, resilience, and intelligence, depending on the model. So maybe they're not clones based on other people, but they are completely biological. 
produced humans. So they're okay. See, that's a nice way of thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, the confusing just... part is that the book it's based on is called "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep" by Philip Dick. So right. I think that's why people think they're androids. And I've never read the book. I read about the book, and I also can't tell you whether they're actually androids in there or not. But they may be more androids in the book than they are in the movie. Which maybe the, not at all. Maybe the earlier models were more robotics. That's and possible. They, yeah. Yeah. Um, I looked up where the name Blade Runner came from. Yeah. And I forgot. It has nothing to do with the movie whatsoever, or even the book. Ridley Scott Nothing. apparently saw another screenplay for a movie called Blade Runner, which was based on a book called Blade Runner, totally not this story, and he thought it was a cool name. Yep. So he was like, can we get that name for this movie? And they were like, yeah, sure. So that's and how that's, it happened. So they just call them Blade Runners. There's no explanation why, but it is a cool name. That's exactly right. It's just cool. Um, so six replicants. Replicants aren't allowed on Earth. They're only allowed as slave labor on off-world planets. And in this world, yeah, anybody who's anybody has left Earth because Earth is just a big pile of crap. Right. Um, and so six of these replicants break out and steal a ship and come back to Earth. And one of them gets killed in the process. So then there's the, five. Yeah, so there's five. Five replicants. And... Harrison Ford's boss forces him to come back to work and hunt down four of these replicants. One last job. One last job. And that's the way he says it. So there's five and we need you to hunt down these four. Yeah. I just, I didn't want to have to watch the movie all over again, but I just feel like there was an explanation what happened to that other one. There wasn't. There wasn't. You're one sure at there all. wasn't, and that's why people think it's Harrison Ford. But I just don't know about that. I paid really close attention okay. when I heard that. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. And so the rest of the movie, Harrison Ford is hunting down these robots, and it takes you on this fun detective journey where he's following the clues, and eventually, he gets all the robots. That's it. That's that's how it works. That's pretty and then much the story. Yeah. He runs away. With a robot and lives happily ever after. Well, I mean, you kind of glazed over that portion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, in in the midst of his detective in trying to find these people, he goes to where they were to the guy Tyrell that like built them, right, yeah. or, or made them, like the guy that's the head of this whole company, and that's where he meets Rachel, who is like a secretary, uh, who doesn't know she's a replicant, but when he did the test. Because there's a test that Blade Runners do to find out if you're a replicant. Uh, he knew she was, and he very quickly falls in love with her. Basically, Deckard falls in love with Rachel. Yeah, which is problematic. But she f- seeks him out again. Basically, I mean that's how it all comes. It's not like he just falls in love with her. There, I think he's very attracted to her, and he's amazed that she's a different kind of replicant who doesn't know she's a replicant. And then she searches him out because she kind of gets the idea that, oh, my, maybe I am a replicant. So that's how their interactions happen a little more often. And then he falls in love with her. Because she shows up at his apartment. Yep. And he's just so hot for her. He's just like, I'm going to kiss you now. And he very roughly, yeah, roughly kisses her. Yeah, but she likes it that way. So it was okay. Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I, I felt the same thing watching it. I was just like, Jesus. 
Yeah, <laughs> take it easy, Harrison. <laughs> Apparently, this, would, this they, would not be. This would not fly nowadays. They definitely cut that scene down. Ridley Scott said that there you was some so? rough sex in there. Oh, okay. Um, but it made Harrison Ford look too much like a creep dick yeah um and something worth pointing out is that she has photographs in those memories were implanted from his niece yes tyrell's um, niece yes and i like tyrell here just because he's clearly just a mad genius yeah like it's like know. dr moreau basically kind of yeah. um rachel doesn't have rachel is just going to live out a normal human life he gave her expanded lifespan yeah that's another point that most of them have a limited amount of time and the six that escaped apparently only had four years now yep. do all of them have four years or does it just have to be those in particular had four i think they were the nexus six models yeah okay. um and yeah those they came back to earth specifically to figure out a way to live because they really liked living which yeah you can't blame them um, but they're um, they're immediately shown to be kind of evil. You know what I mean? But in a way, it's like they're revolutionaries, so you're supposed to feel for them at the same time. And, and they're trying to get by. But at the same time, they really clearly have no problem with murdering or stealing or being just kind of evil people in order to survive. Which I've always we meet taken that, that one replicant like a... who got arrested at the very beginning when he's getting his test done. He immediately kills the person because he's going to be found out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. And uh, there was, I got to find those replicants real quick because there's four distinct types. Yeah. Um, and Rucker Hauer and Daryl Hannah, who play two of them, kind of a weird swinger couple, it seems like. So was Daryl Hannah the pleasure model or was she the fighting model? I I don't know. Was, I was never sure. Um, he talked about her like she was a pleasure model though, right? Yeah. But, because you know, you can learn to do anything, I guess. The other one was actually at working as a stripper. Right. And that's and... where Deckard found her and was able to take her down. Oh. Because something like he, she was in a photograph or something. It was... A little bit. It was a little, uh, I even thought, like, well, that's some damn good detective work if that's you putting all that together. Somehow he found her, and he was able to take her out. Uh, it was the, uh, there was a fish scale, or there was a snake scale in, Leon, it, was it Leon? In his bathtub, there was a f snake scale that he traces back to the guy that made it, and then from there, he figures out who bought it, and that's when he goes and sees her. Right. So... Rutger Hauer. Yeah. He's been in 12... Oh, so we have Harrison Ford, who's at the top of his career. That's obvious. Rutger Hauer has the craziest career. Yeah. He has been in a billion bad movies and maybe three or four good ones. That's <laughs> kind of the way I see right. it. But um, what good ones, you know? I mean, he was, <sighs> especially being in Blade Runner, it kind of gave him a pass and, and made him a known figure, you know? Yeah, that's what you would think. But are you are you excited it's for up this? And down. It's up and down for those guys from those certain countries. Is he, he's like Swedish or something like that, right? Very active throughout the 70s. Um, he is something. I'm not on that page. Uh, so he is in Blade Runner in 1982. And he follows that up with the Osterman Weekend, A Breed Apart. Eureka, Terror in the Isles, 
Lady Hawk, Flesh and Blood, The Hitcher, Wanted Dead or Alive, The Legend of the Holy Drinker, Desert Law, Blind Fury, As Long as It's Love, The Blood of Heroes, Bloodhounds of Broadway. So all those movies that I just listed in a very boring yeah, way, right? He made them all in the eighties. Yeah. Do you want to know the how Hitcher. many movies? Did you ever watch the Hitcher? I think I have. Uh, I He's just also went... in a movie with um, uh, Sylvester Stallone and Lando Calrissian. I can't remember what the hell that's called. But he's a bad guy in that. So anyway, he got typecasted as this bad, as this freaky bad dude with blonde hair. I think that yeah. led into all these movies in the '80s, and then he just couldn't carry it on in the '90s. Oh, oh, he carried it on, sir. He did, um, but like you said, not a lot of great ones. Um, so yeah, he is in movies here and there that you recognize. He was in Buffy. Yep. Um, he is in Batman Begins. Yep. Uh, he's in Sin City. So here and there, there's movies, but do you know how many movies he has made since Blade Runner? It's ridiculous. I'm going to say 100. 97. Oh, that's pretty good. 97. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, he's probably very rich, and I respect him just for his work ethic. Yeah. Um, But beyond that, so going back to the cast of Blade Runner, did you realize who Rachel was? Uh, Sean Young. Yeah? Yeah. She got, okay, it was either Annette Benning was going to be Catwoman, and then she got pregnant, so she left. And then I think Sean Young was going to be Catwoman, and then she got injured, so they had to recast her with Michelle Pfeiffer. That's how that all went down. Anyway, uh, no, I take that all back. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Young was going to be Vicki Vale. Oh. That's how it worked. And then she had to be recast, I think, because she was injured. And then she was fighting hard with Tim Burton to be Catwoman, but he never agreed to it. He always wanted Annette Benning, and then when she got pregnant, he went with Michelle Pfeiffer. Anyways, that's how it happened. But I know what you're getting at is that she is... Thank you. Finkel and Einhorn, right? From Ace Ventura. <laughs> is that what you're getting at? That is what I'm getting at. Exactly. She's the bad guy in Ace Ventura. <laughs> right. Um, uh, another movie that may not play well nowadays... But it's because she was a, a he football player, right? Yep. Who, uh, God, I can't fucking, like, he, he failed during the championship game or something as a kicker. And then he changed the sex. And then he became a woman. And now he's she's the chief of police or whatever. So there's that funny scene. I, I always remember when Jim Carrey's like, Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. <laughs> Pinkle isn't he just keeps saying it anyway. So yeah, there you go. Um, what the hell happened to her after that? Well, she was just either directing or produce. I think directing a movie or a TV show or something, and she got fired. Hmm. And they called the cops on her because she took two of the laptops from the production. Ugh. Yeah, and kind then she explained a... that she thought they were hers, and that yeah. You know, that's yada, not yada, the kind of thing when you're in Blade Runner you want to have to deal with when you get older. Pretty awkward. It's kind of lame. It's like when Winona Ryder got arrested for shoplifting or some shit. Mm-hmm. I was like, Winona, come on. You're better than that. Come on, Winona. Got to have a little class. Ace Ventura, 1994, Jim Carrey. Uh, did you know those movies all came out in the same year? Ace Ventura, The Mask. And uh, 
Dumb Dumb Dumber. Dumber. Yeah. Oh, it was like his magic year. Like, I don't think he ever beat that. And then he immediately got the Riddler after that. So he was riding pretty high. Yeah, like he started that year, his first, the first one he made like 20,000. And by the time the last one came out, he made like 9 million. Yeah, don't quote enough. those totals. I don't know what right. they are. It was up there. It was yeah. a lot of money. Um, we got so that's Edward, Sean Young. Yeah, we got <laughs> Edward James almost in here. Yep. God, I'm a fan. Um, Did you watch Battlestar, uh, Battlestar Galactica? Every episode like a Really? Yeah. The new ones. Interesting. Okay. Oh, they were so good. Because I knew he was in that, but I'm not really familiar with him other than that. But I never watched it. I just know he was in it. Oh, oh and he was good in it. Um, M. Emmett Walsh. Who is that again? Uh, he's the boss. He's the the police oh. chief or whoever he is. Brian. Fantastic character actor. You know, he's always showing up at some like as some as some uh you know, overweight asshole, drunk in tons of movies. Oh, I don't know yeah. what they're in, but when I see him, I know him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just saw his old man picture, and yeah, yeah. He's, he's a great he's awesome. character actor. He's one of our best. Um, I don't know if he's still alive, though, or not. Uh, he is alive. Oh, good. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Way to hang on, bud. Hang and then Daryl Hannah. Yep. Um, she's fine. She's never blown my mind she's a very she's good and uh yeah i don't know if she's always been utilized in the right way but you know she's in splash which is great with she was perfect for that um roxanne yeah she was good in that and then uh memoirs of a memories memoirs of an invisible man memoirs you know the the chevy chase one which i like and never john carpenter film I don't know if I ever realized that, and yeah, that makes me sad. Paycheck movie, but you know, oh, Chevy it's not Chase. a bad film. And you love Chevy Chase, right? I love Chevy Chase. That old. I guess bastard. it was a real vanity project of his. Like he bought the book rights in the '80s when it came out, like shortly after it came out, and he was just really pushing to get somebody to make it, and he finally convinced Carpenter to do it. So yeah, interesting. Um, and oh, I don't and, uh, sorry. Um, Quentin Tarantino, of course, used Daryl Hannah for his Kill Bill movies, so he right. brought her back a little bit. And now you know who she's married to? Yeah. <laughs> I just saw that. Neil Young. Yeah. I guess he left his wife, Peggy Young, who they were married for like 30 years. I don't know about that long. Uh, and, you know, the mother of all those kids for Daryl Hannah. You know, I, look, I don't know. I mean, maybe they weren't getting along or whatever. But then she ends up dying of cancer, like, shortly after. It just looked real shitty about uh, Neil Young. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds right. awful. Um, and for Daryl Hannah, I'm confused. Yeah. She well, you know, they're amazing. both, like, she's, like, both very hippie. It's just a hippie thing. You know what I mean? Like, they're really, they're just hippie artists. And I think he just really, they really connected in that way. Like, she's just kind of one of those old-fashioned hippies. So mm. if you're going to marry any rock star, might as well be Neil Young. Uh, the guy that played Leon, yep. he, he's been in a lot of stuff too. I know I've seen him, but I can't place him. If you p- pull up his Wikipedia, you'll see that face and you'd be like, oh. Mm-hmm. Well, we can get lost in all of this casting. Can't oh, we? it's almost over. <laughs> James Hong. Oh, James important? Hong's been in everything. Oh, yeah. James Hong, man. He was in Chinatown and Big Trouble in Little China, Wayne's World. He was yeah. Tia Carrera's father. Remember? Oh my Love god, James was Hong. he the guy in that Seinfeld episode? Yeah. At okay. the Chinese restaurant. That was James Hong, totally. Uh, five, ten minutes. 
off topic, did you see that cut they put together of like a prestige Seinfeld reboot? No, I didn't. I saw the headline for it and I just didn't it didn't pull me in to watch it. It's not worth it. It's no, very good, David good Lynch enough. and uh yeah. Well they love to do that. They love to take comedies and turn them into horror movies or something, horror movie trailers. I saw one for like Shits Creek, you know. It was effective <laughs> for like a minute and then it just got a little old. Have you do you watch Shits Creek? Yeah, we, we just actually finished the fifth season, so we're on the very final season now. I think I haven't watched anything past three or four and I You know what? To... Um it's a good show and I'm sure it ended well. But um if you just watch three episodes three seasons, that's really all you need. I feel like it's a great show, but they just kept kind of repeating themselves and it just kinda of didn't really know what to do with anybody. But I do think that first season's pretty magical. Like they threw everything at it because I think they they didn't know if they'd have another season. But once they realized they had a hit and they had another season, they were like, "Oh shit! I guess we should have held some things back." So then they had to like change things in the second, like to make it make sense that they would even fucking stay here. You know. Anyway, yeah. uh, have you watched? Um, we are going on some tangents here, but have you watched sure. WandaVision? Yes, I have just... not. Oh, okay. Yeah, they just came out with a fifth episode. And we haven't seen that yet, but we watched four. I think it got spoiled for me, I think. It, it, that's why I made sure to watch it uh, after a couple days. I think after like two episodes came out, I was just like to my wife, I was like, we got to watch this or we're just, I'm just going to get ruined on it. So, um, but it Well, no, just the a... fifth episode I think has gotten spoiled. I, nothing oh, else I has been spoiled because uh, what's her name? What is her name? Uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Yes. Did you know yeah. she's the sister of the Olsen twins? I did. She's the younger I, sister, I believe, right? I didn't. I Isn't that no funny idea. that she's the younger sister of those kids? <laughs> but they're not kids anymore. No. Nope. Just they're couple, our age, actually. Yeah, some older Pretty women much. with eating disorders. Oh, my uh, God. But no, uh, she said that there was going to be a guest star on the level of Luke Skywalker in oh, okay. Mandalorian. Well, don't ruin it for me. Well, no, that's what she said. And so the <laughs> internet was ablaze with yeah. who might it be. And I haven't had it directly spoiled, but I'm pretty sure I know. Interesting. Okay. Well, I don't, so I'd prefer to keep it that way. Um, <laughs> but in the fourth episode is really where they kind of give everything up. As far, unless everything changes again, which is completely possible with this kind of show. But you don't know what the fuck's going on for the first three. And then the fourth, you're like, oh, I get it. I mean, but again, there's like four more episodes to go, so they could change it all. I don't really know. Not having seen anything, yeah, and you don't have to tell me if I'm right or wrong, she is in the middle of a mental breakdown following the events of Avengers Endgame. She's locked up somewhere, and she's living out these different realities in her head. But she's so powerful, she's making some of this reality become reality, and it's fracturing everything, and it's going to become an issue. I don't know if she's locked up. Do you're not supposed to acknowledge anything because I have no idea. I haven't seen any of it yet. But if you said all that, then somehow you've read and figured it all out. So nope, I have not read a single thing. Well, I'll just say that um, uh, you could be right. And again, I've only seen four episodes, and the way this show is going, it could all be totally turned around where we think we know what's going on and all of a sudden we're, we don't so 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 far do you think marvel is successful in their efforts to expand the cinematic universe to tv they certainly uh have appropriate appropriate level of production design and 
um, CGI graphics. Like they didn't, because you know, it's like you make movies for millions and millions and millions of dollars. So you have the top of the line uh, special effects. And then when you do TV, you, there's, you always see like, it's just not the same, but it kind of looks the same. So that's what I think they've done well is that they, it looks like they're really trying to make it a piece with um, the movies. Because even all those Netflix Marvel series, it just was like they had to be a little more raw because they just didn't have the resources that the movies had. But they were yet supposed to be connected. Right. You know, or even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for, sh- for fuck's sake. Like that doesn't move, look at anything like it's part of the Marvel Universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no. this show actually does. So that's my point is that I feel like they the same people that make the movies and the same companies that work on the movies are the same people that's working on this show. So that's kind of cool. So it looks pretty expensive, I guess. Um, good. As far as it is, is it a success? The show's fun. Like it's not bad, but if after watching four episodes, you figure everything out, then it, I don't know what's keeping me around for the next four. <laughs> I guess I was hoping they would keep the mystery more of a mystery a little longer they have to have some twists and turns coming. there's probably some twists and turns yeah yeah I, maybe especially I might... since you just mentioned the fifth episode that they have this huge can't like i don't know where that fits in so well no i don't know if it goes into the fifth episode she just said there's one coming oh okay and yeah okay. um yeah but it's but... good I'd, i recommend it but here's nothing what the fuck we're talking about anyways um i wonder if the millennials and we're technically a millennial. I think millennial goes from like early 80s on up. I but... can't believe we're millennials. It's 1982 until yeah, uh, something else. But yeah, we're the Well, see, what I thought millennials meant when I was younger and I would hear that term is that like a teenager, I started to first hear that term. I thought it meant you came of age in the year 2000. But now they're saying millennials are when you're born around the year 2000 as well is what a lot of people mean. And I'm just like, well, that's not me. I was like 18 in the year 2000. I wasn't born, whatever. Anyways, I'm asking like anybody born around the millennium, how many of those people saw Dick Van Dyke or have any idea about I Love Lucy or any of those shows from the 50s, 60s, and then even into the 70s, like the Monkees or the Partridge Family. So I just wonder if kids are watching this and being like, what the fuck is this? Because it's not that funny. Unless you know why it's funny for the first two episodes, because it's all black and white. It's basically Dick Van Dyke. Right. Like, are they going to give a shit about this? Like, I think they're taking a risk on even thinking that their fan base are going to even know where the fuck this is coming from. You know what I mean? Which is pretty ballsy on their part yeah. to take any risks. And mm-hmm. it's it's cool. So maybe that's a good thing is that they take risks no matter what. And I do I do like that. Uh, there was an article in the internet. This can be a great long segue, and I hope you're enjoying it, audience. Uh, <laughs> there was a, a article on the internet about how Marvel uses previs. Do you know about previs? Uh, no. It's basically the big action set pieces. That's their word for having all the big action set pieces of movies mapped out. So, mm-hmm. like, most of the special effects for, like, Oh, pre-visual game. is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. They just say yeah. previs. Uh, gotcha. Has been done in advance, and most of the time it's outside of a director's control how that's going to actually play out. Yeah. Just the action set pieces. And then James Gunn got really pissy at this article 
and he made it very clear that with the Gal- Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy movies, uh, he mapped it all out, and he was responsible for all the previs for the movies, and that's fun. Like, mm. there's always I think it just yeah, I think it's a little of both. I think he's trying to defend himself because he does work for a machine that has pretty much set rules about what he can and cannot do. But I do think somebody like him does have a little more leeway than your average director. Yeah, like, and that's the because constant. he wrote it, which is a big thing. I think that's why he wrote it. And like, obviously, Kevin Feige, you know, gets to say stuff. But yeah, James Gunn's always been really uh, outspoken about they really just needed a connection to the Infinity Stones. That was it, and so he had the leeway to actually. I forget which ones were in Guardians, but he basically got to invent what happened with that. Yeah. And it's just, it's interesting. Directors right. in the Marvel Universe. But that's because he was doing the Guardians. I mean, it was outside of everything, right? So, of course, you can have more leeway. If he was in charge of Avengers, you know, of the team proper, you wouldn't be able to do anything like you thought, like you'd probably want to do, you know? I think Whedon had to take a lot of direction and, and to know what he could and could not do but he's a company man you know and i think he was fine with it and there's st- and even though they're company people they're still making fun movies so i think that's okay but someone like edgar wright wasn't down with it you know but also because his ant-man movie was in development even before it was a cinematic universe so that was like a a double fuck you you know it yeah. was like oh yeah your movie is gonna be part of this thing now so now we got to go over it and we got to tell you exactly what you can and cannot do and he's just like hey fuck you man i don't want to do that i was making my own ant-man movie but yeah there's some creative stuff in the marvel universe and everybody likes to call them drones but yeah the directors get to do some stuff was all i'm sure raimi for the doctor strange thing i'm sure he gets a lot of leeway i am super worried about that one yeah it's um i don't know are they ever going to bring back Tony Stark? No. Are they going to bring back Chris Evans? Like, there's rumors about Evans re-upping for some movies. Yeah. But As, like, if... the old man Captain America, who was, like, the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a while in the comics. Do you remember I'm that? assuming they're going to do the multi... It's definitely going to be the multiple universes things. So there's, there's room for anybody to come back. Yeah. I just... I don't see... Uh, Robert Downey Jr. doing it. I just don't... I don't see this cinematic universe they have, all these characters they have left over. I just don't think they equal the storyline that Tony Stark had. I just don't see them. And then, like, Chadwick Boseman dies, you know what I mean? All these people, like, their top people that could have taken over, they're all just kind of second stringers now, you know? Chris Hemsworth is still hardcore in there. Okay, that's true. Hemsworth, true. Okay, I'll give you that one. But uh, it's just too goofy to be. And he's no longer Fat Thor. Like, he's immediately back into shape. Right. Well, yeah. he has to be, right? But his he's just kind of a dumb meathead, though, you know? I mean, he it's can't. Fun. he's not He's not the genius that's Tony Stark. Yeah. You know? um, so can... I just don't know how successful it's going to survive without someone like Robert Downey Jr. leading, literally leading every film, mostly, you know? Oh, oh! Did you forget about Reed Richards and Sue Storm? Whatever. Come on, come on! But he's... they're getting brought in after the, after all this, after the fact. Well, yeah, and it's got to be from a multiverse thing. It has to be. I guess. 
I hope it's John Krasinski. I hope it's John Krasinski. I don't know. I love him, and it would be great, but it doesn't have to be a white guy. It can be whoever. How do you make the Fantastic Four work in the year 2021, though? You know, in the 2020s? I know. Did you see that last one? Uh, I did, and that's not how you make it work. It's not how you make it work. I didn't they went, see it. They but... went dark, but it's it doesn't... They're too goofy to be a new movie, and they're not dark enough to be a new movie. You know, like, I just don't know how to make that work. It's too I goofy. I don't know how you handle the thing. I could, you can handle everybody else, but... But the stretching power, it's pretty yeah. goofy. It works in comics, you know? Like, the it... new Miss Marvel has the stretchy power. Yeah, and you she's going to have a TV show, too. Exactly. I just don't know how that's going to work. I think it's just too goofy. Some things don't have to be movies. I'm just that guy. I just don't think everything has to be a movie. Yeah, well, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, so so anyways, we're talking about the sequel to I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yep. <laughs> called and I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Where they haven't Isn't forgotten. Isn't that what we're talking about? Yep. Yeah, they haven't forgotten. <laughs> well, I have not watched those movies since they came out. I just watched uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. For some reason, it was late. I was like, eh, fuck it, let's do it. Interesting. Wait, did yeah. you... Is, did you stream it or do you own a copy? No, I streamed it. It was on like, uh, I don't know what it was on. Like it was I, on Prime or something. I think the kids would enjoy watching that. I'm, I might make it. Um, it. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's just, it's no Scream. You know, Scream was a lot of fun. So they were just trying to get that magic. And it, I mean, it was written by the same guy, but it's just, I don't know. It yeah. just wasn't that good. Anyway. It's a guy in a rain coat. Uh, so yeah, Blade Runner. Um, Harrison Blade Ford's Runner. a robot. Or he's a replica. He's not a robot. <laughs> Jesus. All right. So, so you're sure he's a replicant? If you don't know, audience, uh, big fan debate for years on whether or not Harrison Ford was in a replicant in the movie. And I didn't really care. I don't think it's relevant to the movie, but I figured I would just settle it once and for all. Uh, he is a replicant. Um now, this movie is great filmmaking because they show you a whole world and they don't over explain it, even with a weird voiceover. But yeah, let's start at the very beginning. There were six replicants that escaped. Mm -hmm. One got killed, which leaves how many, Aaron? Five. And how many did the police chief want him to take out? Four. Four. Yes. And so... We have a fifth one that's just never mentioned. I contend. Okay. Now, that... I have to interrupt. Yes. Are you saying Harrison Ford was on an off-world colony, he's a replicant, and he took a ship with the rest of these people down to Earth because he knows them, and then he immediately became a cop? No. And then... So... Now... That's the, that's the one <laughs> thin part of this story is that uh, none of the other replicants seem to recognize him. Or if they yeah. do, it's just through a look. Because those replicants immediately attack him. Yes. Like, how do they know to immediately attack him? He's just another guy. They just know he's a Blade Runner, man. He looks like a Blade Runner. So, but, uh, but Rick Deckard is a guy that's been on Earth for his whole life and he's been a blade runner for i don't know 20 years or something you have no reason to believe that um 
Well, the chief seems to know that he is, and and uh, and uh, almost who is his partner or whoever he is. Uh, they seem to know him, so that's why I'm saying like they can't be. That's why I think they might be clones of people, and that somebody replaced the real Rick Deckard, and that's why he's a replicant. If you want to follow this line of thinking that he could be a replicant, yeah, I think he's just born in a machine, and they can just produce human bodies. But I don't yeah. think they're clones. But no, um, well, so, explain that. Okay, explain any of this to me. Like, how could he be one of those six? Because they say say six people came, but it like just happened. So, like within uh, I don't know the year, right? Well, they're already working on it though. They had already sent a Blade Runner to try and find these people that had already taken jobs. So they've been there long enough where that first guy, Leon, he's actually working at the Tyrell Corporation as a new hire. Yeah. So they're not just straight off the ship. But, but you do admit that Rick Deckard has been a Blade Runner for years. No. And he's basically retired. No. Remember? Because they wanted to bring him back. Okay. Well, see, that's the story that they told him like why is a guy who's in his so 40s... they know you're saying they know he's a replicant yeah yeah they're just messing See, i wasn't with on him. that wavelength so you're saying the chief and almost know that he's a replicant yeah it, the reason that they know that is they caught him and whose memories did they give him huh they gave him edward james almost's memories that's how he is thinks he's a cop Oh. And they just programmed the standard stuff of your name's Rick Deckard, blah, blah, blah. Um, now, none of this is in the movie. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, I mean. And not the version I saw. Not None of that is stated. Yes. But that's where actually Blade Runner 2049 goes way farther to state that directly, if you noticed it. Um, uh, about Deckard? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't notice that then, I guess. Um I but, really paid attention. I promise I did. But I did not pick up on that. So he's got Edward James Olmos's memories, and that's why Olmos is um, his liaison with the cops, basically. He's the one who always shows up because he has an idea of what this guy's doing. So they go, and that the movie starts with a Blade Runner interviewing Leon. Mm-hmm. And does that guy look like anything more than a pencil pusher? No, like he was the best, and even uh, Edward James Olmos's memories are Deckard's saying, "Why didn't you send him? He's great." Yeah, that surprised me too. That I did. That I do. I did think about when they were like, "He's the best," and I'm like, "That guy, that so they best guy." <laughs> these humans were just, they were just like, we we're not capable of taking down one, let alone four or five. I what see. if we secretly? take one of them because it's illegal to have them on earth make him a blade runner and have him hunt these guys down and have him do the dirty work he's just a dirty replicant let that's fine that's the theory and it holds together pretty well um the memories in his apartment people like to say that he plays the same tune on the piano that rachel plays but i think that's dumb but his eyes glowed in the movie, I paid really close attention. The only people's, the only eyes that glowed in that movie were replicants. Okay. And Harrison Ford's eyes glowed. Now, why wasn't this a bigger part of the film? 
Or why wasn't this in the film at all? Why isn't this something that obviously the screenwriter would, would want to make happen? Well, or did he, and this is what got cut out of the movie? I sent you that article. Yeah, um, I didn't read it. I, I was. <laughs> I didn't want to think about it. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was when the final cut was coming out, and they say, "So is Deckard." Why wasn't it written down that Deckard is a replicant? And Ridley Scott Lug was like, oh, it was written down. Yeah, that was the plan the whole time. Like, so Ridley Scott's very on record that Harrison Ford was a replicant. Now, Harrison Ford is on yeah. record saying, I was not a replicant. <laughs> yeah. And even the screenwriter, I think, said that he wasn't. Um, or somebody like that yeah. said that he wasn't. It was kind of two against one in what I read. And you know what? I'd say. Uh, the director of the film wins but here's the thing if you don't put it in the movie it doesn't exist so it doesn't matter what the director intended if you don't actually put it in the movie in blade runner that came out in 1982 uh he's not a replicant that's my point no he is if it was intended for him to be they shouldn't have cut all everything out that made it made it so then why did his eyes glow Man. i don't i don't remember his eyes glowing at all yeah it might have like, been a camera flare they glowed <laughs> it, they glowed the exact same way they glowed when he was in the apartment with rachel he walks out of the bathroom his eyes are glowing and then they fuck um maybe people's eyes just glow like dogs sometimes depending on if you shine a light in their eyes only ones in the movie that glowed at all were God, this is so conspiracy shit you have flown up flown off the handle man i've never heard you talk like this um so in the final <laughs> cut he really goes to hammer at home yeah um with Harrison Ford having a dream about a unicorn. And at the end of the movie, the symbolism right. of the unicorn that was left by Edward James almost changes to either A, Edward James almost read about the memories that were implanted, which is fine, but I say he knew about the unicorn because he had the same dreams because those are the memories that they gave yeah. Harrison Ford. Right. Right. So as a story uh, talking about the film and the way it should have been, yeah, he's a replicant, but I'm just saying in the film that exists, he's not a replicant. He's a human. And the fact that he left a unicorn, it doesn't matter what kind of animal he left. He just left an animal because you saw that almost was always making origami figures and it just showed that he was there and he was helping him escape is what I took it as. Yeah, he was giving them the heads right. up. That's all. But it doesn't matter what it was. It just was an origami figure telling you that almost was there. Um, and okay, when we get into 2049, we will solidify that sure, he is I the replicant. Sure, I can't wait for it. Um, so at the very end, Harrison Ford takes Rachel and they leave. Yeah. Yep. And when I saw that ending, like I don't remember seeing that part. So again, maybe that wasn't in the original or maybe that wasn't in the final cut. I it don't was really not know. in the final cut. Yeah. So, and they're flying over that grassland. My first thought was like, oh, it's just like Kubrick. Like that looks just like what he shot for either 2001 or The Shining because The Shining starts with uh, really like helicopter or plane shots driving over land and stuff like that. Turns out Ridley Scott asked Kubrick if he could use some of the footage that he shot for The Shining for that end scene. And Kubrick was like, yeah, go ahead. Are and you kidding? Like, what do you know? Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs> that's amazing. I was like, this is, this is like The Shining. <laughs> and that's what it was from. Oh, anyway. uh, yeah. The studio totally 
this is one of those situations where the studio totally meddled. The studio added the voiceover. The studio added the happy ending. And Ridley's how was it supposed to end? Uh, just, how does the final cut end? I I've never seen it, but it's basically it ends after they leave the apartment, and it I think it just kind of it's over there. Okay, um, gotcha. So it's left ambiguous as to what the hell happened to these two. But he is with Rachel at the end. Yes. In both versions. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So what do you think about the film? Uh, anyway, do you like it? I love it. Yeah. Um, I, something silly in there. We didn't really cover the guy. The replicants are trying to get to Tyrell. And yeah, so true. they go and they visit multiple, basically subcontractors, which I thought mm-hmm. was neat. Just the concept of subcontractors because it's not just tyrell building these human things there's a guy that builds the eyes there's a guy that designs whatever that guy designed and these characters are all so colorful and the world is so real and lived in like it's just an achievement didn't he work on memories the guy that they end up shacking up with I don't Can't recall. think so. I think because James Hong makes the eyes, and then they end up killing him, right? Wrecker Howard doesn't doesn't kill him. Oh yeah, they kill everybody yeah. in their wake because they yeah because they're evil. Because uh, they're trying to get to Tyrell. But their whole motivation is that they all know they're going to die in four years, and they want to live. They want a real life. That's Rucker Howard's yeah. motivation, at least. So then Daryl Hannah goes and finds another contractor, gets in good with him, and he's the one that helps. Rucker Howard get to uh, the Tyrell Corporation and gets him in there and he ends up killing Tyrell because it's like his father and he hates him because he's just left he's created somebody only let him die in four years and he takes that the wrong way because you kind of feel for him at the same time but but he's also you know killing people on the way so then when Deckard finally finds Daryl Hannah and Wrecker Howard. He kills Daryl Hannah after a fight. And then he's, I guess he's just really outmatched when it comes to Wrecker Howard. And so the whole end thing is just him trying to escape in kind of a funny way. Like he's climbing the side of the building and shit. And Wrecker Howard is just messing with him the whole time. Yeah, because he's like a war robot or war replicant. Um, and this is a hell of a performance. I really like Rutger Hauer in this movie. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Um, his goal was life. And at the end, he valued life so much that he didn't want to take it away from this guy. Is the yeah, way it was I just kind of like, I just fucking be the whole time. I'm just going <laughs> to sit over here and die. But you're good. You keep living. <laughs> oh. So Replicant Deckard doesn't have a lifespan then? How come he wasn't one of those six that was going to die in four years? Just like Rachel. And so that's, I think that's kind of fun. Um, he was, so he was either a different model or when they reprogrammed him, they had to take him to Tyrell to reprogram him. And that's the suggestion is that uh, they altered him. So Tyrell did have that ability capability. So yeah. why wouldn't he do it for Rucker Howard then? Cause he was like, cause he knew that these guys had escaped and that they were dangerous, but and- they're his children. Yeah, but he was also a businessman. That dude really, he he knew the shit. And it sounds like if you mess with the cops in this universe, that the cops are just straight up going to kill you. Okay. Like, the chief made that clear to Harrison Ford. 
you're either one of us or you're one of the little people and you don't want to be one of the little people well i'll tell you what this film definitely um it's made in a way that it's you think it's going to be confusing and hard to follow and you really got to pay attention but then it really turns out to be a very simple story you know Yes. Almost like just a simple detective noir story, you know, from back in the day, especially with a voiceover, you know, gives it that feel. But I do think it's deserving of its classical status and that, man, it just like um, influenced everything that came after it. Everything. Futuristic movies, uh, video games, comics, just everything, you know, like just like you said, the the combination of American and Japanese consumerism put together is just like it's like in every futuristic movie from like 1982 on you know everybody did it that way now yeah and i mean between alien and this movie ridley scott really defined what science fiction was going to be for the next 50 years exactly and uh uh like the idea that there's lower class people living below everyone else you know that that was like final fantasy 7 i remember and even uh, Alita Battle Angel, which we spoke about, you know, in a couple uh, episodes ago. Uh, yeah, it just really, the, gra- the the special effects were amazing. Everything's, everything's great about it, and it's deserving of its influential status, I think. Uh, however, having said that, though, I do like the film, but it's just not really my kind of sci-fi. I think that's why I don't love the film. Really? Yeah, I just, I've never been a huge fan of apocalyptic sci-fi, like where everything's shitty you know, in the future. I think I've been more of the positive. I'm on the more of the positive side of, of sci-fi. Star Trek, Star Wars. Fifth you Element. Know. Yeah, fifth, oh, totally. Fifth Element, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. You know, that kind of sci-fi. I guess that's more in line with what I like. I'm not so big on the body horror kind of futuristic that they want to. In the, in the future 2019. <laughs> I, I think I'm just a sci-fi whore. Like I like everything that you throw at me. That's science fiction and in okay. the future. That's good. That's fair. I mean, I don't dislike it. I mean, I, I I do like some body horror type things or whatever. But the things that make me want to rewatch it, these aren't generally the movies that I care to rewatch. I guess like seeing it, respecting it for what it is, and then moving on is more my. Yeah, I can't rewatch Blade Runner too often. This is like a once every three to four years kind of movie for me. Yeah, it's just kind of depressing and it's dirty and rainy and he's rough with her in the apartment, which kind of turns you off. Yep. And uh, he's just kind of doesn't really fight at the end. He just kind of scurries away the whole time. That kind of turns you off. (laughs) (laughs) I think the movie is more fun to watch just for Rucker Hauer. I think he's such a... He, He steals the show. Yeah, exactly. And I love, it's a theme that Ridley Scott revisits over and over in his late later work on the concept of artificial life. Is it mm-hmm. real life? And does it count? And I... Yeah, what's his name uh, in the Covenant movie and stuff? Who's the android? Uh, it's Magneto. Um, yeah. I, I, he's like a Rucker Hauer type, you know, just without the craziness. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. He's a decent actor. And every th- everything Rucker Hauer says in that movie is a poem. Michael Fassbender. Every single line is a poem. That got it. That that I appreciated it, but it got to me after a while too. <laughs> yeah, like that's... everything he says is a haiku. I don't know. All right. So next, we fast forward into the future. Now, did you do what I hope you did and watched the three short films they made before no, Blade Runner? I didn't. 
Actually, I couldn't watch it because you shared the movie with me on Movies Anytime, but those were all locked out, by the way. Really? Yeah. Oh. I'd have to buy it in order to watch all the extra stuff, but oh, I wasn't allowed to rent the movie from you. stupid. Yeah. yeah, they are on YouTube, so whatever. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Um, I'm going to cover them real quick. Sure, so go ahead. They did three short films to bridge the gap between 2019, which is the year of the original, and mm-hmm. 2049, which is the year of the sequel. Uh, the first one is 2022, where the replicants are allowed to be on Earth again, but they don't like it because they're basically just being hunted and killed. So they go and they cause a giant blackout that erases all hard data of who is a replicant and who is not a replicant. And so, yeah, that's the first one. And I got that. And that is in the movie. Like I figured that out, that there was some sort of blackout that wiped out past all their knowledge of everything in the past. That's why it was a little easier for replicants to escape or something yep, or to they, live among humans. In the 2049, they reference pre-blackout or post-blackout. Yep. Uh, in 2036, Nexus Dawn, this is where we get Jared Leto uh, working with the government. Wallace. Wallace, yes. Uh, we have Blind Wallace uh, negotiating with the government who's run by Benedict Wong, which is awesome. Oh, really? Um <laughs> Uh, he, and he wants to be able to start making replicants again so that they can once again reach for the stars and once again just start to thrive. And Wallace was famous because after the blackout, it disrupted the supply chains and everybody started to starve. And it was Wallace that basically created what are those slugs like he basically yeah, right. engineered that, that, uh, lots of Dave food. Bautista was farming yes. at the beginning of the movie. Okay. And then there's one last one starring Dave Bautista. And that was cool with everybody that they had to eat slugs? I think the, it was. Because the people on the Snowpiercer train were very upset when they found out they were eating those wasps or whatever those bugs were. Cockroaches oh, or some shit. That's a danger of a tangent, but have you seen that show at all? I haven't, no. I haven't either, and I'm not. But I do like Jennifer Connelly, but I haven't checked it out yet. Yeah, I'm not super interested, but that original movie I loved. Yeah, it was really good. And I didn't even know who Bong Joon-ho was at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2048. I'm not, no, I'm not too knowledgeable about foreign films, unfortunately. It just never grabbed onto me that I need to delve into that. But I know some things here and there, you know. Here and, and there. That's... Every year I see a couple more, you know, that, that I never saw before. So yeah, little by little, I might have a little more knowledge of it. I just know there's such a world of film out there. And here we are in our podcast talking about this American films that we all grew up with, you know. It's like there's so many more out there. I don't even know how we how we can possibly cover it. I don't know how we can possibly delve into it unless you just sit in a room and you just watch each country's films you know for five years straight or something like that that's i mean that's interesting well eventually we will we will run out of sequels it will i'm happen. just saying australia has a thriving film thing like we got to get into that south korea has a huge you know and japan and oh yeah and then france and turkey probably has a number of films <laughs> you know what i mean the middle east as a, a lot of films. I saw a tweet anyway. about the BAFTAs coming out and people being offended at certain British movies that I'd never heard of not being mm. uh, picked. And I was just like, all right, you British guys and your weird British movies. Like, 
I'm sure. Well, you know great. what? Maybe that wasn't info for us. For some reason, we got those articles, but we weren't really supposed to see them. That's just if you're in Great Britain, that's for you to read. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Not for us. Not for us. Um, but I want to know. I want to know mm-hmm. about British cinema. Okay. Um, and then there's one more short film, which is Dave Batista, mm-hmm. a year before the movie starts, and he's working as a designer kind of the way that the subcontractors in the first movie were he made god i forget what they were i think little animals and he's off selling them and then this family that he likes is being harassed by a gang and so he murders the entire gang wow and so he is forced to run away and you see somebody saying finding his paper that he dropped and saying hey i know where this guy is okay which kind of sets the stage for blade runner 2049 um mm-hmm. i challenge you to say the director's name correctly on the first try uh dennis villanova no no nope. his name is denny villain vill villanueva villanova some no something on. like that yeah i've been yeah saying it wrong so the s is probably silent that makes sense because there's only one n so it's not dennis it should be that hard because he's from canada <laughs> <laughs> is he really yes i had no idea <laughs> that's so funny uh, well um, it's a french name it's a right? french name that makes yeah. sense uh, what experience do you have with this director before we jump into the movie uh, I was trying to think of what I had seen before he made this, and I can't even recall, but I know that I had seen something before he made 2049. What did he make? So his big breakout, he he had some short, uh, his first English language film, I should say, was Prisoners. Yeah. It starred Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Um. And then he made a movie called Enemy, okay, which also I think had Jake Gyllenhaal, and it's some weird surrealist stuff. Um, and then he really hits the scene with a movie I haven't seen, but I guess I need to. Sicario, with Benicio del Toro. Yes, yes, and That's, Emily I Blunt. Okay. I did see that. Yeah, 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 and Josh Brolin. Yep, like it's a post. She's like an assassin kind of thing, or or she works for some sort of government agency but she's like a real trained killer i think she's fbi i think uh brolin is like cia okay and then benicio del toro is the mysterious killer yes so we i did see that uh but that is not what i was thinking that i was like oh i really need to watch this guy and watch his next movie i just remember thinking it was a cool movie but i don't remember yeah getting excited for anything else he would do it's not a movie that i thought i would ever want to see but yeah i'm totally they actually made a sequel of it which i don't think he was involved in at all he was going to be but the schedules didn't work um because i think almost everybody came back hmm. so what did he make after blade runner oh oh um nothing yet oh, he, he's doing dune he's doing dune that... that's why i know him so well now because he's the dune guy that's right and then he yeah, made yeah, a rival yeah. after sicario yep i didn't see that but i heard about it people liked it yeah i like arrival a lot i'll let you borrow it sometime if you want is Uh, that with uh, amy adams yeah yeah and like oh it's interesting i won't talk about it if you've 
seen it and then he's going to be doing dune which is being released directly to hbo max and he is pissed sure he's not happy about that super pissed um because the goal there was to make a lot of dune movies and to really Mm -hmm. fill out the book properly or something like that and well let me tell you something then denny they weren't gonna make anymore (laughs) i I think you know what it's gonna be a modest success i think I think we're going to see a lot of filmmakers leave Warner Brothers for their decision to uh, do this. To well, that's cool because there'll be some openings for other filmmakers to get in there if they want. Like Christopher <laughs> Nolan has made every movie at Warner Brothers yeah. for a long time, and like it almost feels like he's going to jump ship. We'll see what actually happens, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I like this guy. And yeah. I was excited when he was doing Blade Runner. Um, and, uh, yeah. So Blade Runner 2049, do you want to run through the plot of this one? This is, an, again, another film that seems to be complicated. Like, it looks to be complicated, and you really got to pay attention. But it's actually pretty straightforward yet again, I thought. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Dave Bautista is a replicant. Ryan Gosling is a Blade Runner who is also very clearly a replicant. Yes. Designed basically as a Blade Runner to go hunt down other replicants. So that's the first set piece is that we see him taking out Dave Bautista, right? Yep, first thing. But hey, real yes. quick. Uh, so replicants I was, are... I was on a roll. Replicants no, are still ahead. illegal, but they have replicants working with the police department to hunt down other replicants. Where do you think they got that idea? Hmm. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. Uh, I I still stand by that Deckard is human, but humans have faults. So in the year 2049, they're a little better at what they do. And they're like, if we want to do this properly, we need to match up people that can actually take them out. That's what we'll have a replicant be, a Blade Runner. My question was, they were illegal because there was a big brouhaha with them getting out of control, right? That's how the first Blade Runner came about. Yep. Is that they made these replicants and they were like, whoa, 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 no, no, no. They're illegal. So are they even illegal on the off-world planets or they're just illegal to be on Earth? I think I think they're just illegal to be on Earth. But wait, maybe that's not the case anymore. I thought that they were just illegal all over the place. No, like the new but, ones. And then that... the Tyrell Corporation basically folds. Yeah. Because they're just completely illegal. They, they, they don't survive because all the replicants are illegal. That's what I thought. Yeah, that part was absolutely true. But I don't know about the new Wallace models. Yeah, so Wallace is the guy that comes and buys the, Corel, the Tyrell Corporation to reinvigorate this replicant. And that's what I didn't understand is I was like, I guess he convinced the governments that he should be allowed to make replicants again. And they went along with it. Mm-hmm. So he just basically started it up again. So they're still working on off-world things, right? Yep. Uh, like he mentions at some point how many right. planets they're on now and how many, like he can't produce replicants fast enough for the exactly. expansion. And I think that replicants are completely legal as long as they were made by Wallace. But the older models that weren't are the ones that are being hunted and killed. Yes, thank you. That That's what sense. I think that is. Yeah. So I think Bautista is an old model made by the original Torrell tyrell corporation yeah he was like a nexus seven or eight right yeah yeah but but humans don't like them anyways right. they're shitty about ryan gosling they spit in his face you know things like that 
So even though they're illegal, they're like a second-class citizen. You know, that's how people treat them. So he kills Batista, and uh, this movie had issues. That's <laughs> <laughs> the way I feel about it. Um, you know how I can't think of what I'm the the phrase I'm trying to say, but when like trying to connect two things together, it just stretched believability for me. Yeah. Walking back to my car, walking. Back, oh, is that? I see a flower on the ground. And that leads him to immediately call a dig service out there. And they find a box under this old tree. Well, his drone saw the box. Not until he asked the drone to do a six foot deep scan of the ground around the tree. It just was like, I'm like, okay, maybe a detective would do that. Maybe that's something they would do. It just kind of was like, well, that's coincidental that this idea you had followed through there's a lot of so coincidental in this movie. exactly that's kind of what it's a, it's a failure in screenwriting in my opinion Agreed. you know at numerous times um that's why the movie is not a perfect in my eyes although it's still a cool looking movie and it's it's a fun movie uh anyway so they find bones in the in that box and it turns out that the bones are from a replicant even though it died during childbirth, which apparently replicants were never designed to reproduce. So that is a amazing discovery that could upend the world, I guess, in some way or whatever. So they also find out that um, it's Rachel, mm-hmm. right? Pretty pretty quickly, I think they find out that those bones are Rachel from the first movie, the replicant. They didn't know she was a replicant that Deckard ended up falling in love with, correct? Yep. So where's the child? They don't know. There's a child out there that was born of a human and a replicant, and they want to find it to dissect <laughs> it, basically. Um, or maybe it was a child born from two replicants. I don't know if it's as big a deal then, personally. I think it needs to be born half human, half replicant for Wallace to care as much as he would. That's just my opinion. Um, stretching credibility real quick, sorry. Yeah. Uh, the One of the credited writers of the screenplay is the same writer who wrote the original. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, it's kind of cool. Anyway, That's continue. Cool. Oh, the second part is, uh, so he finds the flower on the ground, leads him to discover bones buried under the earth, because that's the way his brain works. Uh, and then the scientist looking at the bones very closely doesn't, in all of his years of schooling and experience, is like, well, I got to go get a coffee now. Ryan Gosling's like, let me take over. Oh, look what I found. She's a fucking replicant. You didn't find that. I found it just because I had a hunch. Okay, that's the second part that bothered me. All right, whatever, fine. We're moving the plot forward. Somebody found out she's a replicant. I guess it could be Ryan Gosling, whatever. Uh, so anyways, he's tasked with finding the child by... Um, uh, Robin Wright, who's been in a lot of movies we've been covering lately. Yeah. Uh, who's the police chief of the LAPD. And she's very concerned that you can, the world cannot find out that replicants can reproduce or this would be a big problem. But you know what I think? Replicants can't reproduce, but a human and a replicant can reproduce. <laughs> Let me just throw that out there. Because uh, why would a replicant be able to reproduce? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure if they're not going to give a replicant female the ability to have a baby, they're probably not going to give a replicant male the ability to have sperm. It's almost like I mean? Tyrell. That's all I'm saying. Who was messing with these things constantly and created Rachel specially using the memories of his own family. Yeah messed with her just a little and then maybe he messed a little with the 
replicant that he had to reprogram for the police. Maybe he did that too. Oh yeah, and then coincidentally, they got together. Somehow. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe Tyrell pushed her to go after Deckard. I guess you could say that. I just don't think it works unless one of them's human. That's all I'm saying. That's how a replicant's <laughs> able to reproduce. I'm sorry. I'll just stick with that. Anyway. Uh, okay. So then this leads into a I need to find the child kind of thing. And I guess I'm a little fuzzy about what happens next, but that's what Ryan Gosling is tasked with. So he goes to the Wallace Corporation to get info on it. He meets the badass chick who's like the newer version of Rachel. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, but she's dangerous, right? From when you get a first look at her, she's like, oh, this, this woman's serious. Um, but that's how they all learn out. That, that I guess that's how Wallace learns that there's a child out there now. Or did he always know? No, um, she is tracking him through his girlfriend, his uh, fake girlfriend. Yeah, Ryan Gosling has a hologram girlfriend hologram girlfriend that apparently lots of people have but we see later on that she's been spying on him the whole time through her i don't want to like i know that she's using him to find the child after but i just mean did did wallace and that woman that replicant know that that rachel deckard child existed before ryan gosling went to wallace and had her look up the file it's or is fuzzy. that the moment they both find out? It's very fuzzy. I feel like they knew that there was some legend about a child being born, and he's never been able to get any clue about it. And this is the first time that, coincidentally, somebody came to him with some info about it, and now he's like, we have to find that child because I need to know what, what this is now. Now that a replicant is reproduced, I want to know what this is because he's such a he's more Dr. Moreau than... Tyrell was, you know. Yeah, his goal is so that to really cut down on production costs, why not just have his replicants fuck? Yeah, exactly, right? And that would make a <laughs> ton more. Right. So the what what is her name? Cuz I need to know her name. Um the, the replicant that works for Tyrell. And Ryan Gosling is Officer K, so I'll call him K cuz he just has a number designation. He was never given a name. And he lives a very lonely life. Yes, he does. Uh, on Earth with a hologram girlfriend he can't touch. And he has no personality or emotions whatsoever, which I guess is keeping in with being a replicant. But if you want somebody with no emotion to star in your film, well, you couldn't pick anybody better than Ryan Gosling. <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> um, I was spending a lot of time thinking about this when you mentioned it to me for the first time and uh yeah he can sometimes come across as uh a little lifeless yeah um, I, I it's not like i dislike him i just i just do feel like he's just he has no charisma in my mind whatsoever i'm a hard time all right i'm gonna say some names tell me if something clicks joy no it's not joy love joy is the hologram yeah i've got a love i would um, say louv louv maybe um L-U-V. I think that might be. I think that might be her. Began. The replicant that helps out Wallace. She gives him info that there that Deckard was the one that did the scan because we're seeing the scan that Deckard did from the original movie, and we're hearing Harrison Ford, you know, do the scan on Rachel. That's how they put it together. That she's an old model, and then Wallace is able to use to follow Officer K as he's going to find this child. So it's like, ah, he's going to do the work for us. Just keep an eye on him. So the woman replicant steals Love. the bones. It is L U V. 
L-U-V. So let's whatever. Let's just call her Love. So Love steals the bones. She wants to cover it up as well. She's trying to get information about where the child is. They're just letting Kay do his job in order to try to find this child. Oh, he meets this woman who creates memories. Yeah. That's after. That's after. That's after. Before that. Um, How do we get from there? How, after he leaves Wallace, does that when he starts to go to where the orphanage was, basically? He hits a dead end, so he goes back to where uh, Dave Bautista was living. Yes. Um, and he finds a tin inside of the piano that got missed and that had a baby sock yes and then he notices a date and the date yes on the shocks tree. him yes. to his core That's right um and it's supposed to signify when the baby was born oh six ten twenty one i believe something along those yeah it was this year so he's not even born yet yeah um <laughs> And he then takes that info. Oh, and then he burns everything. Yeah. Although she told him to burn it. Robin Wright told him to burn it, everything, destroy everything. So, um, and he's hanging out with his girlfriend and mm-hmm. she's talking about the significance of the day and he doesn't want to admit it, but he has this memory f- of a ho- toy horse he had as a child that when he had was grown up in some orphanage. Mad Max type orphanage. Yes. And it had the same date. Fighting for survival. And this leads him to investigate where memory implants for replicants come from. And he meets a woman who is stuck in a glass dome. It's like she's a bubble girl. She is a bubble girl, yeah. Like she has some sort of issue, right? Uh, She's immune-compromised, yeah. Yeah. So Um, she creates memories there. Yep, she's also a subcontractor for Wallace. Yep. which I love yes. that concept. So it follows that concept. I like her that. name was Dr. Anna Stalin. Okay. Um, and, and he basically asked her if this memory has is true. And through her magical viewing device, she's able to see his memories, I guess, through his eyeballs or something. Something. <laughs> and um, she tells him, yes, this one's a real memory. And this is the first part of the movie where the my pet peeve number two with movies comes in is when two people are face-to-face in a movie and one of them doesn't tell them important information. <laughs> they hold it till later so we have more drama to get to. Because if she had told him right there and then an important piece of, yes, this memory is true, and followed it up with where it came from, it would have saved a lot of time. <laughs> yes, but... But you can't do that because there would have been any more drama or plot to get to. You know. Well, I mean? no, she couldn't do that because it's illegal to use real memories. And so if she admitted True. that she and used... she is speaking to an officer. Yes, so she's I talking guess. to okay. a cop. She's not going to admit she committed a crime. She's just going to say cleanly, yes, this is a real memory somebody put in you. Right, but his reaction to it should include her off that he feels like this is his real memory. Right. And so she just lets him go. Yeah, she just lets him go. It just bothered me, all right? <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah. Just... <laughs> and at this point, he is off the rails. Yeah. Like, he is immediately arrested mm-hmm. um, because replicants have, they have a system for knowing if a replicant is behaving properly. Right. And Similar was... to that test that they gave in the first yep, movie yeah. exactly and so he fails this test um 
which basically means he's going to be killed. Robin Wright gives him 48 hours to get his shit together, take one more test. After that, it's out of her hands. Yeah. Now, why does she do that? Because she likes him. Yeah. Because he said that I found the child is what he tells her. It's all taken care of. Yeah. He lies. That's why she gives him. Yeah. And because he thinks that it's him. And so he tells her that he killed it. Yeah. So that's I don't know if we made that clear. He thinks that he is the child of Deckard and Rachel. Yes. 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 Because that birthday is a memory he has. And if the memory is real, then it must be his real memory. Yeah. Yeah. So So then he does this. Is that before? So that's before he actually goes to the place where he remembers growing up into this orphanage area. Yeah. This is that point. Shitty projects. This is the point where the girlfriend uh, says, cut off my antenna so nobody can follow or track us. Yes. And that's when we learned that she's been spying on him using her right 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 right. and then the two of them so she's disconnected from the internet the person wallace corporation has been spying on him yes uh, love the has been love yes. yes um and so he disconnects his girlfriend from the internet so if she dies she's dead forever just like a real person mm-hmm. and they go looking for this orphanage Oh, because they go through the DNA records for everybody that was born on that date. And there were two records that were identical, yes. which is impossible. And they signaled that they were at an orphanage. So they go to this orphanage. Yeah. Before that happens, uh, Joy, his hologram, who is really in love with him for being a, compo- a computer program, goes and gets your favorite person. Oh, my God. I love her. I forgot. To be her kind of stand in. Like she hires this like prostitute. Mackenzie Davis. Mackenzie Davis. And they kind of like, you know, pleasure him basically, like together. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a it's a bizarre feature, but I was like, all right, that's cool. So a hologram was able to use her in order to, you know, have sex with Ryan Gosling. Yeah, like So it, that's how she's introduced, Mackenzie Davis, who yes. just seems like eh, just a friendly prostitute. That entire plot line is the one plot line I would have cut from this movie and brought this movie closer to two hours. Yep. So she acts like she's not a replicant, Mackenzie Davis, right? Isn't that the idea? She acts like she like wants she him not. to believe that she's not. Yeah. But yeah. she totally is. But she probably is. But we'll get to that. Yeah. So anyways, he goes to this like orphanage, which is just another word for child labor sweatshop, I guess. Yup. <laughs> Where they're making Walkmans or something, whatever they're making. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> if you noticed, I don't know if this is a dig at, where was it? San Diego? Yeah. Um, it was the San Diego waste disposal area. So they had this orphanage in the middle of the trash heap. Right. And it's kind of fun. He immediately gets shot down. Yeah. Because there's scavengers that live there still. There's like people that are outside. It's like uh, Judge Dredd, remember? Like the outside families that were living outside the mega cities. You know, it's kind of similar. It's kind of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So they shoot him down. They want to like rob him. They want to do whatever to him. And Wallace, who's been uh, watching over him basically because they want him to find the child, helps him out with some drones and kills everybody. Yeah, they want him to live. a missile strike. Yeah, exactly. She's like, get up. You got things to do. You know, so he doesn't know who's looking out for him, but somebody's looking out for him. So anyways, so he finds that whoever was born on that day, who he believes to be Deckard and Rachel's, child has been like a uh, scrub from history basically like people don't want anybody to know about this person 
So like all the, I don't know, it just, it gets a little complicated and that like the leader of the sweatshop keeps records and shit. Like he doesn't <laughs> seem like the kind of person that would keep records really that well. Doesn't seem like it. <laughs> nope. But he does. And all the records are gone anyways. But then this leads Ryan Gosling to be like, well, this is my memory of being here. And he finds the little toy that's in his memory that has the date on it. It really exists the way he remembers it. Yeah. Um, so he's convinced he's the child. That's absolutely right. And then he flies back. And yeah, he goes back. This is my biggest issue with logical stretches. In this the is movie. another logical stretch that um, they find the radiation amount in that toy yep so real must wood. have come from las vegas yep there's only one place with that level of radiation that would right. be inside of a tree so somebody whittled this thing from a tree that came from vegas is what it's telling him yeah so he's like oh let's follow that lead up yeah i was like it's that's like number three or four to me you know that it's just it's a real stretch but so i was like all right he fine. flies to vegas yep and he searches for life and he lands where he sees some thermal signatures. I and did like this, though. This was nice. The bee colony. The bees? There's no life there, but he sees all kinds of weird life from his scan. And it turns out it's a bee colony. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, because Deckard, who he ends up finding living there. What? Is, you know, he makes his own honey. <laughs> uh, yeah. He, so he uh, finds him in the old casino, basically, in Vegas. Yep, and Deckard's just been living in this radiation zone safely somehow. Yeah, is it for... like a World War Three kind of thing? Like, like America got bombed? No, the whole planet's just wrecked. And again, but it's radioactive, isn't it? It's not anymore, but at some okay. point it was. So was it bombed out? Or I don't no, know. No, no. Yeah. Nobody lives there, and that's how he's able to hide away. Deckard knew that he'd be hunted all these years. So he's just hiding away. Yeah, in a radiation zone. I wonder how right. a normal human could do that without getting cancer know. and dying. I don't know. That's true. But here's, again, where people look at each other and they just don't say what they should say. Because if they say that, there won't be a fun action piece. So Deckard comes up behind Ryan Gosling, uh, Officer K, and instead of Kay turning around and going, I'm here to talk to you about your daughter, he doesn't say anything and just lets fucking Deckard try to kill him. And they have to run through the casino. And then you get holograms of Elvis singing, you know, and then Deckard has to punch him out a couple times. And yet Ryan Gosling says nothing, only I'm not going to fight you. And then when finally, when Deckard realizes there's nothing, they're at a standstill, uh, let's get a drink. Gosling's like, hey, I want to talk to you about your daughter. That's the whole reason I came here. And I'm like, why don't you just fucking say that to him before this whole thing? I hate that. Something I really appreciated in that action set piece <laughs> is that Deckard absolutely is just shooting to kill. Like, yeah. he's shooting right away, and he's just trying to kill this guy, and it's great. I love bloodthirsty Harrison Ford. Well, I'll give you this. He's acting like a replicant because he knows what it's like to come to kill some like somebody comes when they find you they're not there to talk to you they're there to kill you that's yeah. what his job was this whole time as a blade runner so he knows that this guy is there to kill him uh maybe because he assumes he's a replicant or he doesn't know why he's there he obviously didn't know he was there because he wanted to talk about his kid but that's what it ends up he talks to his kid deckard gives it up that there was a daughter or no he doesn't he doesn't say daughter he says there was a kid right because yeah. ryan gosling still thinks he wasn't even there when the child was born yeah, he, so he thinks that he's Harrison Ford's son, basically. Yep. Yeah, so he's a little angry about that. Hey, why weren't you around, Dad? You know, that kind of thing. Although they never come out to say it. And then it turns out that 
Wallace basically they didn't they've been watching Kay and Kay didn't exactly find the child but he did find Deckard and that's good enough for them well no at this point Robin Wright has been murdered by love yes and that's how they track him to Vegas and that's okay all yeah gotcha okay oh right because when he destroyed Joy the home Joy version of his Amazon Echo yes (laughs) They weren't able to track him anymore. I got you. So then she, yes. So she, so love is at like at a loss. Like she's at a dead end. Yeah. Now. So she goes so to that's his apartment. That's why she goes and kills. And then she Robin goes Wright. to Robin Wright, and then she kills her, and then she tracks him. Gotcha. Um, so yeah. So then they attack and they kidnap Deckard, even though Ryan Gosling tries to Officer K tries to fight and save him from being kidnapped he still gets kidnapped here's the set here's another part that i really hate really hate there's no reason to keep him alive yeah there's no reason not she doesn't kill him Eh, he'll probably die he won't be a problem later on in the movie yep so then they they just leave with harrison ford yeah they just leave him for dead and here's one of my problems with the movie all of a sudden my favorite person mackenzie Mackenzie davis Davis. oh yeah right right, right. and their whole underground tribe of replicants Mm -hmm. come and save him from vegas like yeah so there's a whole underground movement of replicants that are trying to rise above and they know that k will be useful to them somehow they've been tracking him too and went all the way to vegas as well and why why mackenzie davis is working as a prostitute in new york or la la yeah um i don't know why well she's probably a pleasure bot man uh but yeah they fix up ryan gosling and mm-hmm. this is where they lay down the hard truth the child that was born was a girl yep it's not ryan gosling you thought it was you we've all hoped it was us but we all know it wasn't you and, were just he was just implanted with that memory as well and this is where the full reveal comes that they hid the girl in a way where she would never be found. And it clicks to him that the girl in the bubble yep. is the daughter. Yep. And, and if she had just told him, <laughs> you know, that that's that my memory. Yep. But um, I get you when you say that it's illegal to use your own memories. So, you know, she probably wouldn't have given that up. But it could have saved a lot of time. <laughs> this is like logical <laughs> infallacy number eight, I think. They're the odds that the memory you decide to implant in a replicant happens to show up in a cop who happens to go and take out Dave Bautista, who happened to be around when your mom was giving birth. The odds yeah. of that are insane. Right. How does he get the bone? Like, why are the bones buried there? He's just he's part of that revolution as well. So what they're saying is that Deckard and Rachel, after leaving Blade Runner 1982... <laughs> They hooked up with this underground revolution. Maybe even started the underground revolution. I don't know. Somehow they got involved with it. Something. So then the woman that gives the hard truth to Kay, the leader of this group, along with Mackenzie Davis, they were there when that child was born. They helped Deckard and Rachel survive. And then they they pulled a Skywalker, uh, Obi-Wan kind of thing where they didn't want you know they didn't they didn't they didn't want Luke and Leia to be known to Vader so they came up with a plan where Deckard should leave yep you know in order to keep this child safe you need to be gone because they're going to be looking for you so you can never know this child and uh well you know th- and then we're going to take the child and hide her away somewhere else i don't know because the mother died in childbirth 
So uh, that's just what it felt like to me is that there's this whole scheme to keep it away from the Empire. Yep, that's yeah. pretty spot on. And I, I right. like that detail that knowing the baby's birthday, that means that they had two years together. They had yes, two right. good years and that was it. Right. And uh, and I, I like Deckard in this. Like it, it worked for me because I see how this this hard choice he had to make in life has and will continue to bother him his whole life but he's doing what he believes is right so he's never known his child and he's always stayed away and he's loved this woman his whole time and yet he only had two years with her maybe you know harrison ford's another one of those hard ones for me where i can't always tell if they're good or doing a good job acting and i think he i think he's doing a good job here yeah he's not given much to do but what he has it just looks like there's there's a lifetime of regret in his in his in his face you know and and hurt so i think he pulls that off well you know so are you ready for the unsaid deckert is a they had this pause right here where they've kidnapped yeah. him they've fixed up gosling and he knows that he's not special uh so gosling early on in the movie he goes and he visits edward james almost in the old folks home yep that's right he makes and another appearance in this movie like the entire reason that he is in this movie is just for the deckard is a replicant replicant crowd okay I'm and you. here we go he liked to work alone, to work alone and mm -hmm. so did i because they have the same memories and here mm -hmm. we go He wasn't long for this world because yeah. he's a replicant. Ha. <laughs> awesome. Something in his eyes. Something in his <laughs> eyes. Because of the glow. Any idea how I could contact him? But he's nudish. Retired. He was retired. The word they used for killing the replicants. Yeah, but he's not retired. Well, he's not, but Edward James almost doesn't have a way of knowing that. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, is there anything else? And then Edward James almost puts down another piece of origami thing. Yeah. And so having Edward James Olmos's memories, what do you think that Harrison Ford as Deckard is going to be drawn to do? Origami? Or do something with <laughs> shapes. And so, yeah, right. so what he is Deckard's house full that's of true. whittled yeah, animals. animals? Yeah, that's true. Um, I You see it as proof that Deckard is a replica. I see it as the filmmakers fucking with us. Oh, no. It's there entirely for that reason, though. Like that Just scene, to mess with us. Yeah, that scene means nothing other than yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. I just think it's enough just to keep the conversation going on is he or is he or is he not. Every... I just don't believe he is. I just think that Decker, I just think that almost believes he is maybe. Is the earth flat know. or round, Aaron? Is it is it <laughs> flat or round? If it's not in the movie, it's not in the movie. And I think this is just their way of just keeping the conversation going a little longer. Whatever, man. All right. <laughs> so next in the movie, Harrison for, or Deckard is taken to mm. Wallace to be interrogated. Yeah. Um, and Wallace, obviously, Wallace is just as bad as Tyrell in terms yeah. of just being the Dr. Moreau. 
because he makes him another fucking Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> like that's going to make him happy. <laughs> and like did, you, I will give you this Rachel. If you tell me where the child is, yeah. is basically what he's doing. I'll give you a free model. You know, yeah. they're usually really free expensive. <laughs> this uh, one, pretty good facility, uh, facsimile or whatever of, uh, of Sean Young, I guess. Yeah. I guess they, I read that they actually brought Sean Young back to, to coach that actress. Really? So she would have the same way of speaking and uh, facial tics and stuff like that. Yeah. Nice. So nice. she's still around. <laughs> but yeah, they had so little data. It was the wrong eye color. And Yes, that's right. That love shoots her unceremoniously in the head. Yeah, the second replicant, he's just killed. Like, like he just made some artwork that he didn't like and tore up a canvas or something. You yeah. Know? Now, why did he kill the first replicant? I think it was just for our benefit of seeing a replicant being created, basically, and how weird he is, you know. And then he just slices her up. I feel like because she wasn't perfect, and that's how he is when he creates replicants. I don't. He know. likes to meet them. He likes to meet every one of them. Is what they made it sound like. And if they don't pass his approval, he just kills them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but at this point, I hate Jared Leto. <laughs> like I like hate his character or just him him and the way that he approaches acting he has to make right. every person that he plays fucking bananas yeah and it's just it's too much for me I, well does he turn those characters into his acting or do they write characters like that and then they're like jared leto's got to play this guy <laughs> who's right? the creepiest fuck we know <laughs> exactly <laughs> but Tileto is a creepy fuck but he's like a good looking guy so it's kind of like you get both you're like wait we can have like normally a creepy fuck in a movie wouldn't be this stylish or something or wouldn't be this you know good looking so we can bring him in as we can have both like that's Hollywood nowadays you know like he's a good actor I respect him but I just do you see that uh, McConaughey film he was in where he played the uh, like the AIDS patient you know, and he was like super thin. No, million dollar something or something billion. That's a boxing movie. Yeah, something like with the word millionaire. I feel like. Uh, did you? He see was it? really good, and it was it was out of character, and it was very, 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 very well done. Well deserved, I thought, as an Oscar winner for that film. So, uh, did you see the new one that just came out? Like the, uh, the one with a uh, Freddie Mercury actor. Uh. Yeah, he's that in that. That just came out on Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah, it just came out. I didn't, I didn't see it. I haven't watched but I it yet, but it. I've heard. Oh yeah, Denzel Washington. Um, oh okay, because Leto's in that. Is what you mean? Yeah, it's Leto, right. Denzel Washington, and Rami Malek. Rami yeah. Malek. Yep. Um, and it looks good. I think I'm going to like the little things. The little things. Yep. They do call it like a throwback to '90s movies, okay. like Seven. Well, I do like the. I miss those movies. And they say it's. It sounds like a pretty decent popcorn movie, but <laughs> somebody said, uh, yeah, the movie's going along, and then 40 minutes in, uh, Jared Leto shows up as a janitor, and you just fucking know that he's the killer. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's funny. <sighs> um, so, yeah, so Decker doesn't go along with this plan. He doesn't. He's not going to give up the child just because and frankly i don't even think he knows where he doesn't know where she is you know like yeah he didn't know or if it's even a she he didn't know where the child was but he could give up clues to where some of this rebellion was yes and that could lead to the baby that's why the rebellion actually tries to get 
a op agent k joe right to kill deckard it was um, just kind of a little request but from their mind it made sense like look he would want this too he knows he's a threat to this child if he is interrogated and gives up you know info you got to go kill him so that's what they task K for, but I don't know if K's ever down with that, but he's just like, I just need to rescue him. Yeah, and so anyway. Wallace is about to send Deckard off planet where there's torture laws that are a lot more lenient. <laughs> right. This is this is like number six or seven of my oh Jesus. Look, uh we can't torture you here. I just got the place cleaned up. The machine we need is somewhere else. So we're gonna send you away. Mm-hmm. Why? Just plot. Just for uh <laughs> Just for uh, move the movie along, you know, we need some way for K to intercept this transport, and that's exactly what happens. K intercepts, uh, shoots him down, however that happens. But then there's this big set piece where he has to fight Love in the water while Harrison Ford's almost drowning, and then number eight, number nine, number ten of impractical screenwriting. She doesn't kill him yet again, even though Love gets the upper hand. She's like, oh, I'll probably die. I'll just leave you in the water here. And now I'm going to get Harrison Ford. And oh, surprise! Kay's still alive. He ends up killing her. He rescues Harrison Ford. Yep. There you go. And then we wrap up the movie with Kay. Mortally wounded Kay. Mortally wounded Kay yeah. driving uh, Deckard. And there, this is a problem for me, too, because there's still some danger. Wallace mm-hmm. is still alive. Right. And in charge of lots of people. According it, to Officer K, it's all taken care of because you're dead. Oh, yeah. They faked it. But his how death. is that possible? There's no body that's going to be found. I know. I know. I just don't, I didn't understand that either. It just felt like don't ask too many questions kind of yeah. part of the movie. Like, so they take, he takes him to go meet his daughter. Yep. And uh, K dies on the steps outside. Apparently, enjoying. Oh, he doesn't have to. I mean, I don't. I don't know if he has to or not. Enjoying the snow, or something. Yeah, and then uh, it just looked cool, and it's a good way for him to just lay back and have a good have a good last scene. But whether he dies or not, I don't know. Is important. And then Dagger just walks in to this yeah. doctor, and like, who let him in? Can anybody like, what's he just say? walk in? <laughs> yeah, and, yes, you can. And uh, he's just like, hey, and he yeah, basically yeah, and that's the end of the movie. So he so he has a happy ending, which I appreciated. I thought this this um, made up for his uh, death in Force Awakens, which I was never big, which I was never cool with. There was no reason to kill him off, other than I, he apparently asked to be. Yeah, he finally gets to be the replicant daddy that his replicant daughter never got to have. And I just don't think she needs a replicant father. I think she needs a human father, and that's who Deckard is. Hey, don't. Are you trying to yeah. suggest that replicants can't be good parents right now? That's really <laughs> replicant racist. Okay, you're grouping a whole people into yeah. one stereotype. Replicants can be good parents, Aaron. I just um I just don't see it as far as the world of the movies are concerned. He's human. He's not a replicant. Studio interference. Yeah. So yeah, Denny Vill- Denny Villeneuve or however the hell you say his name, I apologize. Uh he makes some really great thought-provoking movies, and this mm-hmm. budget is estimated between 150 and 185 million dollars. Way too much. And it pulled in 260, so I'm not even sure that would. Uh, no, I don't think that even covers promotion. Yeah, you know? I I feel like they usually spend about 75 mil on promotion, something like that. Yes. Yeah, so, so you really need to clear your 
main budget and then about so you they really need to clear probably like 225 250 in order to feel like they even made a profit so this movie probably broke even if it was lucky because yeah this movie was definitely pushed well you know i mean and critically i think it did okay uh despite all the flaws i say i still think it's a pretty good film it's definitely stylish and they do a fantastic way of blending the two films worlds together you know you see it as a nice continuation of the first one and uh, the music's similar, and, and I liked all that. And Roger Deakins, who shot the film, you know, he won an Oscar for it. Uh, it was really cool. Yeah, because the Deke, he's, uh, he's some of the best. But no, uh, yeah. I mean, I just know him from all the Coen Brothers movies we'd watch, you know? Like, it was not always Deakins, but it was a lot of his films, or his work on those films. I feel like these movies do an excellent job of building a world and then putting, giving you a little detective story that they run around inside of it. Yeah, I think the world may be the most rememberable part of these movies, more so than the actual story. It you know? absolutely is, and because I think the premise, the whole thing is just, we already talked about it, but yeah, it's kind of shoehorned, and it goes, it takes it from a five-star movie down to like a four-star movie. Yeah. It's right. A, yeah. Um, so you like it? You're a fan? Or did you yeah, just... Yeah, I'm a fan. I like yeah. it. It's a little long. It's a face. little long. And I was trying really hard to think of what could be cut. Yeah, Blade Runner is a pretty... The, the theatrical version, I think, is a pretty svelte film. You know, like it it, it moves it and it's over. And it doesn't stay overstays welcome. Yeah. You know what? I feel like you say it should be cut. And I agree with you that Rebellion. But I feel like companies nowadays, like movie studios, they there's just certain things they keep in movies because you never know if it'll be a franchise. And I think that's just in their head. We always need to be thinking franchise. If this is a massive success, it could be a three-picture movie. So we got to keep that rebellion in there because that could be a follow-up story. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could absolutely see that. So I think that's why those those kind of things are included. They want to expand it a little more, even though it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the plot. This did the same thing that Force Awakens did. You take a movie, you push it 30 years in the future, and then you kind of shoehorn in these connections to the original where they weren't necessary. Yeah. You could have had a completely different story set in the Blade Runner universe that would have been equally as good without having Harrison Ford in there at all. I thought it it didn't bother me. It didn't ruin the first movie to bring him back no. and finish his story. So that was okay. Yeah, no. I enjoyed the movie overall. Right. Um, it yeah. is a little long and some stuff is stretching believability, but outside yeah. of that, yeah. Uh what did you did you do know much about the film or about the book? Uh the the Dick book? No, I haven't read it. It's just Dick a short book. story, isn't it? It's funny to say. Yeah, maybe a novella or something. Maybe it's just a short story. I know a lot of his work mostly from old radio shows and stuff like uh, a lot. Yeah. In the fifties, like X minus one and dimension X, those are two that he would write for. So a couple of his stories, well, I don't know if he wrote and he didn't write for those shows, but they would turn his stories into those shows. So I'm familiar with that. Um, I did read a little bit about the book though. And one thing I wish they would have put in Blade Runner (laughs) is uh, um, the sheep. And they, uh, Edward James almost makes a little sheep origami. And that was just like a nice little Easter egg that he made, that it was a sheep that he made into a, um, an origami. But in the book, and I have to, I only read this once, but I have to remember, is that animals don't exist anymore in this world. They've all died off. So there's clones of animals. 
but they're very expensive. So Deckard owns a sheep and he wants to buy another one. So it has a companion. That's why he takes a further Blade Runner job. Really? Because <laughs> he wants to buy a sheep for his sheep. <laughs> he wants to buy a companion sheep, which I just thought was amazing. Anyway, so that's obviously where the title comes from. You know, do androids dream of electric sheep and stuff like that. Did you watch Electric Dreams, the Amazon series? No, I haven't yet. Uh, it's actually really, really worth checking out. Those are like anthology show of his stories, right? Yep, it's all just yeah. each episode is one of his short stories, and so they probably do this one. I don't, I don't know. I haven't watched them all. Um, yeah, but I did specifically watch one about a dystopian future where one company uh, ran everything, and it's it's a series produced by Amazon. How Amazon yeah. is the dystopian <laughs> company. And you have these like drones that are dropping off products to stores that don't exist anymore because the factory still works. Oh my God. And people shoot down the drones and get whatever they can out of the boxes and it's like clothes and whatever. And it's, that is nuts. It's a really like, you would like it. Like the production values there and the acting is there. It's, it's fun. There's one story from the radio show X minus one. I think Phil Dick is the one that it's based on. It's called like There Will Come Soft Rains. This might be a Ray Bradbury one, but it's like it's about an automated house and it's it's a day in the life of an automated house where it like wakes the family up and raises the blinds and it talks to it, you know, and it like makes breakfast and it does this and that. And then you find out that there's no family there and there's been a nuclear war and this house is just doing it every day because it's been programmed to do it, but everybody's dead and all that exists are the uh, ash shadows that are on the walls where the nuclear weapon destroyed, you know, the family, you know, like in Hiroshima when the bomb exploded over the city, you know, people close to the epicenter, all that would be left is their shadows basically like sprayed on brick walls and stuff. So that's, that's what you find out about the show, but it's really good. And I think that's a Dick story. It might be a Bradbury one, but that sounds like a Dick story. So that is what it reminds me of that there's this, these drones that are still doing their job, even though the companies are long out of business or something, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, yeah, sci-fi, man. I think it, uh, all these guys like Bradbury and, and Dick and Asimov, I mean, they all wrote everything that we see. Every sci-fi thing you see nowadays is pretty much stuff that they wrote in the 50s. Which in is the 60s, just insane. <laughs> There's nothing more than anybody comes up with. Yeah, like just keep reusing those things. Where is our current sci-fi that pushes the ideas further? Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of it, but that we just don't. It's hard it. not to watch something and go like, "Oh, that's like this one," you know? Yeah, it's probably hard for somebody to come up with something new without being compared to something else. Yeah, and that's actually Ridley Scott's fault because yeah, he did right. it all better first. Um, True. So overall, yes, I like these movies, and yes. they're good companion films. Yeah, I think they're perfectly fine. Um, so thank you everyone for tuning in uh yes next week we cover do you remember what we're covering we're i don't know you tell me what it is every time we come on here and i'm like oh okay <laughs> we are switching into the realm of horror oh. to cover sam raimi's the evil dead series oh nice. films i have not revisited in years and i'm very excited to get into um so we have Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and then Army of Darkness. Yep. Now Evil Dead 2 is is our show. 
that'll be what this is about. On the right? schedule, we have... Or Army of Darkness included. We have it combined, but yeah, we can totally break that up into two episodes. It really depends on how much we have to say. I feel like that's a that's probably a one-off, I feel like. It, you know? I think it could be a one-off. Um, and directly after that, we're sticking with Raimi, and we'll be covering the two, Spider-Man. 2000s Spider-Man films. Yeah, 2002, I believe, is when the first one came out. Yeah, yeah. Very excited to dig into those again. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of exciting stuff coming up for Aaron and Justin Talk sequels, and I hope you stay with us. Um, until then, I'm Justin. I am Aaron. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, and if you're watching or listening on iTunes, please rate, review, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Follow us on Twitter at Aaron and Justin. Um, that's all I got. Send, a, send us money. Send whatever. us money. Uh, preferably in uh, in an envelope. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, man. Until next time. Bye.